Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We're talking about poetry, caring, and healing with our second guest, Barbara Roberts. Barbara M. Roberts has directed the Caring Ministry Department for Cherry Creek Presbyterian Church in Inglewood, Colorado, for more than 20 years, helping numerous families and individuals through grief and loss, death, crisis, and healing, as well as experiencing her own grief and loss. She is the author of Helping Those Who Hurt, a Handbook for Caring in Crisis. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of the show today. Thanks. It's great having you. This is Gloria. And I just wanted to say to our audience who were on the last segment, Heidi dropped out because she's in Manhattan and her telephones have gone out. So she is on a cell phone, right, Heidi? And if we have to, Heidi may drop off if the sound gets bad, right? Yes, I might. If the sound gets bad, I will definitely drop off. I am in a neighborhood where there is a lot of construction right now, and I've just been told that our phones are not working in this building all of a sudden. <laughs> so uh, I'm usually at my office doing that, but I'm moving this week, which is why I'm not doing the show from my office. So I apologize to the listeners. I hope you all can hear me. Okay. So, Barbara, it's great to have you on the show. And what a book you've written. I am, I'm fascinated with this book because it's called A Handbook for Caring in Crisis, Helping Those Who Hurt. You've covered about every topic in the, around the sun with, with uh, points. I don't want to say bullet points. They're, they're numbered points. But um, it's a pretty amazing book. Well, thank you. Um, I love the format. Nav Press is my publisher, and they are the ones that chose to put it in a handbook format where it's small, you can stick it in your purse or your briefcase or by your phone. You know, it, it's the kind of book you certainly could sit down and read from cover to cover, but most likely it will be the kind of book that you will pick up when you, for the first time, need to help someone, maybe your own family, plan a funeral. Or you have a colleague at work who received a phone call in the middle of the night where their teenage son was picked up for um, drunk driving. Or, you know, it's, it's grief and loss and helping those who hurt, which really is everybody. Right. Well, I wanted to ask you, you're a minister. Tell us about your ministry. Are you a minister or I don't know how you term yourself? Well, I'm not ordained, um, but I have been in pastoral care ministry for many years. And the structure at our church, I am what's called a director of caring ministry, and that encompasses many things. But for our purposes today, to come alongside and help those who are hurting and grieving. And, you know, grief and loss issues are certainly um, issues of death and many kinds of loss. I personally have had cancer twice, and um, my husband has had cancer, and we have a grandson who has gone through leukemia. So, Mm. you know, that's incredible grief there. Um, I've walked beside numerous people over the years who have experienced one kind of loss or another, but many who have experienced death in their family. I've, I've 
been beside the bed of many who are dying. And what I have learned and experienced is the deathbed is a very holy place. It's mm-hmm. an opportunity to experience the comfort that God promises to us and the comfort from a human person such as me or you who walk beside the hurting or the dying person. Mm-hmm. However, it is a holy place, but for some people it's been a hell, hellish place yes. because they've had a bad death experience. Not every death experience is, is you know, comfortable for family members and people around, and not every situation turns out well. Absolutely. And, and Barbara, I heard you on a show talking about Somebody, the, the person asked you, well, what if people are angry at God? I mean, we have a lot of listeners out there that are angry at God after they've had a loss. And what would you say to those people? I would say to them, and, and I have, have walked beside many families who have struggled with that anger. In fact, a re- very recent death um, in our congregation, uh, the family members, for a variety of reasons, have struggled with a lot of anger and what I would say to that person is the same thing I would say if they're angry at another person I am so sorry for your pain and Mm -hmm. you know what it is perfectly fine for you to be angry with God God understands your hurt he understands your anger he understands your frustration and you know God is a God of mercy and grace and and it's okay with him if we are anger. I think angry. I think he understands that. And um, and it's a very appropriate, as you know, as much or more than I do. It's a very appropriate emotion to struggle with anger. Now, what about? I'd love to have. I would have loved to have had you around uh, uh, 25 years ago, right, Heidi? <laughs> Absolutely. I I love that response. Rather than judgment, you're saying, "Look, God can handle this. It's okay. It's a legitimate emotion." Yeah. God has big shoulders. Absolutely. My question is, what if I didn't have a good pastor, and what if I didn't have somebody who understood? We've had some people on the show. Al Johnson, who is a very well-known minister, said he did a terrible job before his son died. He said he even said to somebody, well, you can get pregnant again. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend of mine who is a pastor said, my next book ought to include those those difficult, horrible things people say to others when they mean well and and those things are so hurtful. We all say dumb things, don't we, and and want to bite our tongue afterwards when we learn that that was really unhelpful. But, Gloria, to go back to your question, what if somebody doesn't have a pastor available? And I really, really don't want to sound commercial, but that's one of the reasons I wrote this handbook because mm-hmm. not everybody does have easy access to a caring friend or a pastor who's going to walk beside them. Well, I'd frankly like to see every pastor get this book. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and you can finish your statement. I just wanted to make sure I got that in. Because oh, thanks. I love that. Um, you know, I've included personal thoughts and experiences as well as points on all the different topics that I have included in the book, and I've tried to include appropriate scripture from the Bible that I think would be comforting to someone, and um, so I'm not saying that's an answer to answer everything 
for those who are somewhere where they don't have a pastor, but that's one of the reasons I've written this book, because everybody has somebody in their life who's hurting. It might not all look the same. It might be a different kind of pain. You know, it's sort of like the 100% club. At one time in our life, we're all going to be a member of it. Um, Absolutely. Everybody dies. Right. That's right. You know, I wanted, you've got in there the difference between a social and a pastoral visit. And I thought that was a really interesting thought because the pastors are, are well, you know, if they're, you're part of their parish, they're going to come and visit you. Uh-huh. And what's the difference? Um, thank you for asking that. That's a great question. You know, anybody can make a hospital visit, whether it's to your neighbor or your friend. And some people think, well, it doesn't count if it's not a pastor or you're not reading the Bible or you're not praying. Those things, I, I feel, are a wonderful part of a visit. But part of what makes a pastoral visit, as a, opposed to um, any visit, is it's not about me as a visitor. It's about you. You know, it's not about me coming and saying, well, gee, let me tell you about my gallbladder surgery. It's about tell me what you're struggling with as you're lying in that bed. What are some of the things that are making you fearful right now? What are some of the things you're struggling with? Um, and if I were going to pray with someone, a very simple thing I usually do is tell me what you'd like me to pray about. It's sort of building a prayer rather than assuming I know what's on your heart. You know, you may be having surgery, and that would be the obvious thing to pray about, but perhaps before you left the house to be admitted to the hospital today, you discovered that your son just lost his job, and that's heavy on your heart. So part of making a pastoral visit is finding out what your needs are, not what my needs are, as the visitor. I love that. I, in a way, we can all make pastoral visits, can't we, with Absolutely. the right spirit? Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that nice, Heidi? Oh, I, I love it. It's to focus on the other person and what they need. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I like the idea of building a prayer. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Now, what are the biggest conflicts that you've seen with families that have had trauma, like the loss of a child or whatever? Oh, what are some of the biggest issues with families. Um, I think one of them is a lack of understanding caregivers. Mm, Okay, I like that. People who, I have a colleague who uh, lost a child a number of years ago and and, um, she and I have talked at different times and, and, you know, that was one of the hurtful things for her and her husband friends, um, well-meaning, certainly well-intentioned, but not um, thinking more about what their needs might be as opposed to just being there, Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. like they had to fix it, feeling like they had to have the right answer. You know, I can't fix your pain, Gloria. I can't make it better. I can't. Grief takes as long as it takes. So... I can't make it shorter, and when I try to fix it or think I have to have a magic bullet, 
that's kind of when I get in trouble as right. a caregiver. I had some uh, a, a pastor say to me once, the main thing is don't try to be profound. I want to ask you, as I said during break, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, AIDS and SIDS and, and suicide, uh, some of the things that you cover in your book. But um, how do people get your book, Helping Those That Hurt, a handbook for caring in crisis? You can get it through Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, navpress.com, um, Lifeway Bookstore, Barnes & Noble Bookstore. So it's in bookstores, and you can get it many sites online. And I will tell you something. It's a wonderful Christmas gift for your pastor. <laughs> Thank <laughs> because you. Because every pastor should have this book, and you should have it too, but, but I think every pastor should definitely have it because they're influencing so many people, and I know they want to help. And I know a lot of them just don't know how. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Think that's true. There are a lot of lay people out there, um, you know, who uh, who haven't had a lot of training that are doing pastoral work that really ought to have this book because it would be a great great thing for them. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit. Oh, first you've got a website, right? How do people I get do. There? It's just www.barbroberts.com. Okay. It is at Barb or Barbara in your Barb. Book? Barb. Uh, BarbRoberts.com is uh-huh. the website. Uh-huh. All right, and she's located in Colorado. If any of you are around there, you're lucky. And what what town in Colorado? Um, I'm actually in Denver. In Denver. So if you're around Denver, and, and what's your church? Cherry Creek Presbyterian Church. All right, so there you are if you're around the Denver area. Well, Barb, you talk about, uh, in your book, you cover so many things, and, and I want to talk a little bit about AIDS because I've worked uh, quite a bit with a AIDS the AIDS Health Project in San Francisco and also in uh, Rochester, New York. And I just find that there's some real after-death issues for AIDS families. Not only the stigma, but also a lot of times if if they're um, gender, same gender, um, the family can come in and take over everything because um, there's no legal connection now with the, you know, the marriage thing. There's some of that going on. But it's it's a real conundrum, isn't it? It's a real mix-up. It, you know it is, and and I I think we we can AIDS is one of the complicated deaths, obviously, because there can be, hopefully, there isn't in a lot of places, but there can be not only grief and pain, but judgment that comes into play, and and um, you know the family and the friends of the person who died of AIDS is hurting. And we need we need to realize that foremost that they need to be cared for and loved and not judged and um, I, I think that's just one of the complications that certainly with with many deaths suicide as well there can be judgment and guilt and things like that but but it's I it's such a shame for the family we just recently had in our family. Someone who uh, tried to kill themselves. Fortunately, they didn't succeed. A young person and um, the family. Oh my goodness! My the, my relatives said, "Oh, we feel so ashamed." And you know that's your first reaction, no matter what. Oh, yeah. oh, this has happened in our family. Yeah, and if it's not shame, it's incredible guilt. Why right. didn't Why didn't I see that coming? And um, you know, some I have heard in my training and experience that there are signs which we miss but for those who are suicide survivors there's incredible um, the issues of guilt to deal with yeah it's an incredible challenge and then also the fear that other people in the family will do it yes 
and there is a, an increase. So, uh, you know, so people do need to get help, and, and it is a, a legitimate fear. But on the other hand, how do you talk about teenagers who are saying, I'm not going to do it, you know? The family kind of gets down on them, too, well, don't well, they? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Just because your sibling killed themselves doesn't mean that you have it in your head or that you're going to do it. Right. Sometimes kids get mad because they think their parents are so worried, and they're like, Mom and Dad, I'm not my brother or sister. I'm, a, I'm my own person. Hmm. So you've got both sides. And we need to listen to that. You know, we need mm -hmm. to trust them and believe them. We also need to not be afraid to ask, though. You know, you've made some statements that make me wonder, are you considering harming yourself? Um, there's a myth that says if I ask someone if they're considering suicide, that it will put them over the edge and cause them to do it, and that's just not true. We, we need to be willing to be honest and ask the, que the tough questions. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think that is such an important statement for people to hear out there. Like you said, it's important for us to ask and to go down those roads with people. The worst thing that can happen is they'll say, oh, now I'm fine. Why are you saying that? And you'll say, great, I just wanted to make sure. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Well, I also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about SIDS and, and miscarriages and things like that because you uh, have advice for people on that who have actually had a SIDS death. Or um, And I love the one thing you said that really came out for me was share your grief with your spouse. Yes. Whether, and that is so true in a SIDS death or a death through miscarriage or even the death of, death of a dream through infertility. You know, mm -hmm. there are some certain distinctives in those three areas of grief, but there are also some common threads. And one common thread is that um, both partners are grieving. The grief may look different. And there may be a silent griever, and often that is the husband, but he is grieving nonetheless, and it's so important to share that with one another. This is um, one of the things that can cause a real wedge in a marriage, um, infertility or miscarriage, when the two spouses are not sharing their own struggles with one another. Yeah. Heidi, do you have any comment on that? Because I know you've been down there. Well, yeah, I've been down the infertility and miscarriage road, and unfortunately I've experienced both. And like you said, Barbara, it's such it's happening to both. And sometimes, you know, since it's physically happening to the woman, the man feels like he has to be strong yeah. and kind of, you know, internalize what he's going through. And it does put an incredible amount of stress on a marriage yeah. to go through infertility and finally get pregnant and be so excited and then, and then have a miscarriage. Oh, Very, absolutely. very stressful and... Like you said, for both, the man, man and the woman, we don't realize that the men are also grieving. Yeah. They're grieving the loss right. of the future they, they thought they were going to have, for one thing. That's exactly right. And for one thing, Heidi, I'm so sorry you've gone down that road. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's just an incredible pain. And for us who come alongside of someone, we need to recognize it's a death and it's a loss. Right. And mm -hmm. to definitely not minimize that loss. Um, well, Barbara, we're going to have to close the show. Have you got a, a passing thought for us or one last shot for people out there? You know, I, I want to say to you, if you are hurting or if you know somebody who is hurting, if you're on either side of that, reach out. 
reach out to another person. It's not too late. If you think, oh, man, I blew it, I didn't send the card, I didn't make the phone call, it's been three weeks and I feel guilty, go ahead and reach out. Help that person that you know has had a loss. Oh, thank you so much, Barbara, and uh, get Barbara's book because if you've got any questions about any of these kinds of losses and how you can help it, sure, and they're helping those that hurt. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been wonderful Thanks, having Barbara. you. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com. 